Matthew chapter 5. Now, sometimes with all these lists we've handed out, and last week we talked about prayer journals, sometimes we can feel inundated with all of these things and begin to lose sight of the big picture. And all of these tools are important, the lists are important, having a prayer journal is vital, but I believe sometimes we need to just step back and remind ourselves of the big picture of prayer, what it's all about. And the model prayer, which is in Matthew 6, the model prayer, which is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, really gives us this big picture of prayer. And you could even say it gives us our, at least in a simple form, our theology of prayer. The word theology means the study of the nature of God and religious belief. But really, I think a, a better working definition would be theology is what we know and believe about God and then how that affects our daily living. So what we know and believe about God from His Word and then how that directs our daily living. And when the Lord Jesus showed up on the scene, as we mentioned this morning, people had a lot of messed up ideas about who God was. And so the Sermon on the Mount is really, in many ways, uh, a corrective to try to straighten up people's thinking and get them to understand who God really is and what kind of relationship we are supposed to have with Him. And so in the model prayer and in the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is really trying to straighten up our theology and teach us who our Heavenly Father really is. And so if you're taking notes here at the outset, as we're thinking about this theology of prayer, what we know and believe about God and how that affects our daily living and especially how we pray, I would encourage you to write down this statement because it is really the big picture, the theology of our prayer. And I'll say it a couple of times so that you can get it down. We, number one, join the Lord Jesus. This is our big picture of prayer. We join the Lord Jesus to, number two, focus on our Heavenly Father with the, number three, help of the Holy Spirit. So we join the Lord Jesus and we, to focus on our Heavenly Father, and we do so with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you want it more in a bulleted format, join the Lord Jesus, focus on our Heavenly Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 18 uh, puts this beautifully for us. The Bible says there, For through Him, that's Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now what I want you to understand, Christian, especially intercessors, prayer is our opportunity to commune and to enjoy fellowship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Trinity is not some concept for us to be afraid of or for us to feel confused by. It is what makes the Christian faith beautiful. 
what makes it different, what makes it so awesome. And in prayer, understanding how we relate to the Trinity is going to greatly help uh, how we pray. And so, please understand, when Jesus says, this is how you should pray, and he says, address God as our Father, we should take him very seriously. And I'm afraid that I've seen a, a trend with a lot of Christians, and it's not necessarily wrong. You can pray to any member of the Trinity. You can ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. You can ask the Lord Jesus for help. But I think uh, we, we are headed in the wrong direction when we deviate from the teaching of Scripture, and you'll hear some people who, who, who always pray something like this, Dear Jesus, or, and, and, and there's kind of this concept of, you know, I feel more comfortable going to Jesus, but not so much God the Father. And maybe people wouldn't spell it out that way or say that in particular, uh, but that's what often this can lead to if we don't pray the way the Lord Jesus taught. So before we go any further, I need to pray for God's help, and then we'll look at this more closely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through this book we hold in our hands, you teach us to pray. And we thank you for this inexpressible privilege uh, to come to you in prayer as your children, to know you as Father, to have your Holy Spirit living inside us and Lord Jesus representing us. Oh, help us not to take for granted this great privilege we have to pray. And Father, we've seen tonight how you do hear and answer our prayers, and you've been working mightily in our church, and we want to thank you and give you the honor and glory for that. And we want to pray that in these next few moments, as we look at this theology of prayer, we ask that you would give us understanding of these truths, help us to apply them to our lives, and I pray that you guide my every word and deed. Without you, we can do nothing. So please, teach us by your Holy Spirit in this hour, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This is why this theology of prayer is important. You and I could have no right to enter God's presence in prayer without Jesus representing us. Without what he did, which we talked about at length this morning, on our behalf, we could not enter the presence of a holy God. So it's important that we understand what Christ purchased for us. And that when we go to God and say, Dear Heavenly Father, or our Father in Heaven, every time we do that, we are taking advantage of what Christ purchased for us. And we would not be able to do that had He not lived a perfect life for us, died for our sins, and rose from the grave. And it's critical to understand this because what the enemy of our souls does is when we sin, or when we mess up, or when we feel distant from God, the enemy will lie to us and say, God doesn't want to hear from you. You messed up too bad. You're too far from God to even try to pray. And that is when our theology of prayer is critical, where we must remind ourselves, I can boldly enter the presence of God, my Father, because the Lord Jesus is standing at His right hand, or seated at His right hand, interceding for me, representing me, always keeping the way to God's throne open to me. 
And, and when the enemy tries to discourage us from going to God, we can go to him in Jesus' name with confidence, knowing that he's still our father, that his ears are still open to our prayers. And that is why this phrase we put at the end of our prayers is not just religious jargon. It's very meaningful. When we say we ask these things in Jesus' name, what we're saying is, Heavenly Father, I know that of my own merit, I don't deserve anything from you. I don't even deserve to be able to have any kind of conversation with you, much less ask for things. But I've asked for these certain requests in Jesus' name because I know that He is worthy. I know that He represents me. And I know that because of Him, I have the right to come to you as my Father. Can you see why this is so important? Then, having the Holy Spirit, we're told that we have access to God by one Spirit. This is such a great encouragement because, as Paul put it in Romans 8, we know not what to pray for as we ought. We are not natural at prayer. In fact, we're terrible at it. It's a struggle. And so many times when we're on our knees before God and we want to develop this relationship with Him through prayer, we act as if we're on our own and that we have to conjure this up and, and make it happen. We've got the Holy Spirit living inside us, ushering us into the presence of the Father and ready and willing to guide us in prayer. He's our paraclete. He's our comforter, which means he's been called alongside to help us. And we can always lean on him and rely on His help in prayer. And this could do wonders for many of our prayer lives if we would get a hold of this fact that we have access to God because of what Christ did and because He's representing us. We've got the Holy Spirit living inside us to guide us. We've got a wonderful Father uh, with whom we can enjoy a relationship. So I hope that helps you. And throughout the, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus is, is really trying to explain to people what a life looks like that is lived in relationship with God as Father and understanding who He is and what that looks like. And then the model prayer is especially about orienting our hearts to God as our Father. In fact, some people even call this, instead of the model prayer, they call it the Our Father. Now, I don't endorse Catholic practices, and that's a Catholic thing. They call it the Our Father. But that's not really an inappropriate title for this prayer because it's all about Our Father and how we are to orient our hearts to Him. And so in the few moments we have left, I know it's late, I'd just like to give you three encouragements or three ways in which we should orient our heart to our Heavenly Father in prayer, which Jesus teaches us here in the model prayer. Number one, he tells us to release control. Release control. Matthew 6, this is the model prayer, verse 9. The Bible says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then the prayer ends in verse 13. 
The end of verse 13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When we begin to understand prayer the way the Lord Jesus taught, and we join him in the place of prayer and begin to pray as he prayed, what we're doing from our hearts is releasing control of our lives and our world to the God who sits on heaven's throne. And we're acknowledging, hallowed be thy name. God, you are holy, you are perfect, you are wise. And you know how to run this universe and you know how to run my life far better than I do. You know how to solve the problems in the lives of those I love far better than I do. And so I'm giving over control of my life and my world to you. Six times in the Sermon on the Mount, at least that I counted, the Lord Jesus refers to his Father as our Father or your Father, which is in heaven. And the Lord Jesus doesn't waste words. He doesn't tack things on as fillers. There's no fillers with the Lord Jesus. Every word is meaningful and there for a reason. So I think when he refers to God the Father as our Father, which is in heaven, six times he's trying to get a point across. And I believe what he's trying to tell us in the model prayer and in the Sermon on the Mount is that if our hearts are going to be properly oriented toward God and if we're going to live this life as his beloved children, we've got to get our eyes off of what's right in front of us, the here and now, and lift them up to heaven. And we've got to remind ourselves that there is a God on heaven's throne who sees everything all at once. He's got it all in control and he's working all things together for our good. And it's through the model prayer, it's through prayer that we say, I release control to you. In chapter 5, verse 34, Jesus is saying, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. You know what he's saying? Your father's got things under control. This world that seems so chaotic and out of order and such a mess to you, it's God's footstool. He's got things handled. And then later in verse 45, he says, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, Christian, think about that. When you and I begin to really understand who it is that we're talking to in prayer and who it is that is our Father and promise to take care of us, you know how foolish our worries and our cares become and how foolish it becomes that we feel like we have to control all the circumstances in our life. We have to make things happen. We've got to keep everything together. He makes the sun rise. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Everything in our universe is held together and operates well because he's got it handled. And yet you and I often think that we can run our lives better than him. 
And that, oh, oh, I can't take this problem to God in prayer. It's too big. Or he doesn't really understand. He makes the sun to rise. So the Lord Jesus is urging us through the model prayer, through the Sermon on the Mount, release control to your heavenly Father. Let him handle your life. Those circumstances that have you so vexed, that have you so worried, release control of them to him. Say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In doing so, we join the Lord Jesus, we follow his example, for he said in John 8, 28, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He said, when I am lifted up on that cross, that is going to be the full and final proof that I did not come to earth to do my own will, but that I was in perfect submission to the Father, even unto death. I do nothing of myself. And oh, that we would adopt that same mindset of releasing entire control of our lives to God in prayer. Number two, and we'll hasten. In prayer, we not only release control to our Heavenly Father, but we rely on His care. We rely on His care. And this really builds on the last point, but the model prayer, the first request that we come to after we've focused on God and asked for His will to be done, Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And the verbiage there has this idea, give us what you've promised. Give us what we can expect that you will provide. You've promised to supply our every need, so please give us our daily bread. It's a Sunday night crowd. I don't think I need to belabor it. You are familiar with Matthew chapter 6. This is where the Lord Jesus says, Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. Verse 28, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Verse 30, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You know, we said rely on his care, but you could even say it like this rest in his care that's what prayer is it's casting our cares on him knowing that he cares for us and then it's going through our day with a peace in our hearts that my god is going to take care of me my god's going to take care of my children my god is going to take care of my friends my god is going to take care of me and i'm going to rest in his care and then number three, number three, relish communion. Relish communion. And relish, we're not talking about here what we put on a hot dog. Relish means to enjoy something. And in verse five of chapter six, these are familiar verses. But he says, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And if I could just insert there, developing a prayer life or becoming an intercessor or praying through these lists for anyone other than God, that's not what God wants. 
the, the motivation for our prayer life has got to be Him. And, and our desire to spend time with Him, our desire to live according to His will, our desire to nurture this relationship with Him. Verse 6, Thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know what that verse tells me about my God? He loves me so much that He wants one-on-one time with just me. No one else around. No distractions. Nothing else to worry about. Just Him and me. And your God loves you that much that He wants one-on-one time with you every single day. It's like the song we sing, every day I'm amazed that God would spend the day with me. And we sing that He loves me like I was His only child. Aren't you glad that when we pick up the phone for prayer, the line isn't busy? Aren't you glad that our Father doesn't put us on hold? He is yearning. He is wanting so much to spend one-on-one time with you. And we've got to be careful. We've got the lists. We've got the prayer journals. We've got the intercessor's commitment. Let's not forget that prayer is about us getting alone with our Father and communing with Him. Like Pastor Bonner preached, not just seeking God's hand, but seeking His face. This Father, if you read in, in Matthew 7 here, it's my, one of my favorite promises, the 7-11 promise. It says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Not only does your God just passionately want to spend one-on-one time with you, He wants to give you good things. He's sitting on the edge of His throne, looking out throughout the whole earth to see who He can show Himself strong on their behalf. He's leaning over the edge of His throne, wanting to pour out blessings on your life. If only we'll take the time to commune with Him. I hope this has encouraged you tonight. We, we come to God in prayer through the Lord Jesus because of what He's done for us and by the Holy Spirit. And you have someone living inside you who wants to teach you how to pray. And so would you get in the habit as you go into your daily prayer time, release control to God. Give Him your day, give Him your family, give Him your job, give Him everything. Release control. That's what the Lord Jesus did. He did nothing of Himself. And then rely on His care. The Lord Jesus had all kinds of reasons to be anxious and to be fretful. And He had all kinds of stress and so many people that, that, that wanted His attention. But He walked through life calmly because He was relying on His Father's care. And then Lord Jesus... He would stay up late at night or he would get up early in the morning to spend time with his father. Why? Because he relished that communion. And you and I can join the Lord Jesus, enjoy a similar life of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, these are basic fundamental truths that, with which many of us are familiar. But Lord, we're so prone to forget. And so we pray that you would help us to put these things into practice to truly release control of our lives to you, to take all of our cares to you, cast them on you, 
and rest in your care for us. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to really relish communion with you. And prayer wouldn't be a chore. It wouldn't just be about lists, but it would be about us spending time with you one-on-one. Oh God, please help us to begin living by these truths. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.